ladies, gentlemen, pay yay 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 oops. Welcome one, welcome all to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It is episode 207, folks. And we are coming to you on the back of an absolutely emphatic win to West Ham. By the way, coming at you about 20 minutes after the game actually finished, we figured let's beat the big guys. You know, we're we're kind of like uh like like Wrexham, I would say, of, of podcasts compared to like, you know, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and uh Arsenal Vision and, and the Arscast. So we're the little guy, but we're just we're we're quality. We got the heart. Um but we're we're gonna beat the big guys this time. We're gonna release it nice and quick for for all you guys to enjoy. And you know, now you won't feel inclined to listen to like not that not that you would anyway, because you have good taste, but the likes of like AFTV and stuff like that that release the day of the game. Now you could just watch or listen to us and then maybe James McNicholas and call it a day. Watch the Super Bowl later on if that's what you're into. With me today, I've got the extra canon podcast boys in the house. First and foremost, not first and foremost, they're equal here. What the hell am I talking about? Firstly, I should say, the man, the myth, the legend with the versatile name, Rob Bob Bertha, the man that I so like to call Declan. What's up, Dex? I am pretty well, uh, as you can imagine. Um, I'm just, just like looking back and thinking about when I was sort of 13, 14, and I would be watching those like AFTV clips every sing- after every single match. I'd sort of go to bed and watch them. I'm just thinking about how, how better educated and well-informed I'd be if, if I was able to listen to the Arsenal Cannon podcast back then. But um, here I am, uh, trying my best, and uh, always easier to record uh, right after a game when it was quite as enjoyable as uh, that one was today. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to, to chatting about this one. Six bloody nil in a game that I was pretty nervous for. Uh, and, yeah, we, we, we did that. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, how are you, Dan? Um, absolutely spectacular. I, uh, we, we were, we were all chatting in the, uh, in the, in the productions chat, um, prior to recording, uh, a bit earlier this week. And I was saying how my Sunday, Katie is just going to want to shoot me in the face because we've got Arsenal in the morning, African cup final at about three hour time. And then the Super Bowl at six. Oh man, I'm going to be tied to the television. It's a great day, as one Ian Wright would say. Um, and it started off on the right foot. And the guy who watched it at the same time as me was uh, Mac Johnson, the celebrity. 9 a.m. start. I don't mind that because it, it gives you some time to wake up in the morning and, and whatnot. And then you you get the, sh- the most stressful part of your day just out of the way. But anyway, how are you today, Mackie? I'm doing all right, you know. Uh, I'm having a good time. It's uh, I like a 9 a.m. kickoff um, more than I like a 7.30. For sure. Uh, can't stand the super early mornings. But yeah, um, just really, really, really happy, to be honest. Um, you know, here recording here after the our biggest, I think, away win ever. I think that might actually be a statistic. Uh, I think I they if, said if we got a seventh, it would be. I think I'm it might have been seven. Well, in terms of goals scored, I'm not sure if like by a goal margin. I don't know if we've ever won by seven goals. But uh, regardless, it's... It's just it's it's a it's a pleasure to be here. It's a hell of a day for all of us, uh, all of us Arsenal supporters. And Daniel, I just want to compliment you, man. Also, I I really enjoyed that Wrexham shout. You know, small celebrity owned type vibe. Um, kidding, kidding. Had to had to bring that in. But no. Um, 
And for all of you out there who are maybe considering about listening to AFTV, I vote that this is just a recent thing. They need to be canceled for a little bit. They just had a podcast with Thomas Partey's lawyer. I it was it, I it wasn't going to be my spotlight, but in in the world of Arsenal journalism, you know, we've had a great day, but that is a, a big all-time low. So happy you guys are all here listening to us and can't wait to talk about West Ham. Well, thank you for saying that because I was actually just going to say I'm not one to ever like roast other content creators because I know it's a lot of hard work. And I think I think they get a I, to be fair, I think that they get maybe sometimes more criticism than they're that, that, than they deserve. Um because I think there is a place for for that type of content, but oof, if they're doing that, that's that's not a great look. Um, and and by the way, just to yeah, talk, yeah. On on the topic of um, celebrity ownership, though, if there are any celebrities out there who do want to give us a little cash injection, that uh, would be wonderful. To, to, yeah, yeah. We, we we take that. We, we really would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thomas Partey's lawyer. Um, actually, take back everything we said. If you've got some, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, if if Daniel yeah. Eck is listening, <laughs> oh please! So we're all, we go through Spotify, Danny Eck. Come on, we got the same name, you and I, and we're both bald. Um, the, the the by the way, the record Mac was equal today. Our our pre existing away uh, record was was six. So yeah, I guess what the commentator said would make sense. We go. scored one more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, huge huge result. Rob, we were saying in the PPC pre-pod call, you may not say that, folks, or I will find you. I will sue you. Um, I was saying to you that I was very nervous, weirdly coming into this, despite the fact that this West Ham side is a team that's in such bad form they lost to Manchester United, for crying out loud. Um, but it just always feels like, Matt, Mac touch on this, we always have a team each season that we really struggle against. It's been Everton lately. This season, it seemed like it's it was going to be West Ham. Southampton really, last year as well. Southampton, yep, that, and they. Some reason. I we, that's been our, our I mean, bogey team. Full, it was Fulham this year. Go Fulham too. One point yeah. of, of Fulham all season this season. So they were the team this year. Didn't yeah, end up being I, West Ham. True, true. Um, but that's that's what makes the Premier League the best in the world, in my opinion. It's just the total unpredictability of it. But, um. Arteta clearly just rallied the guys today. And I, I thought from this was one of those performances that from minute one to minute 90, there was a bit of a worrying giveaway from Kivior at the very beginning that AFC Max and I absolutely roasted me for um, calling out. But really, other than that, from minute one to 90, I mean, just total domination, Rob. It was it was a, a sight for sore eyes. Yeah, I mean, it was it was easy. Um, the players looked looked so focused. Uh, conceded barely anything all game. They had, I mean, five shots for West Ham at home. Uh, they had fifteen at Old Trafford last week. In comparison, which you know shows just how well we did shut them down. Whilst it was a a dreadful uh, West Ham performance, we kind of have this knack of. <clears throat> making teams look this bad especially on days when we're very very good um people will turn around and be like oh the opposition were awful and yes west ham have had a very bad start to the calendar year but um this is a good side they beat us two now at uh at the emirates and you have to be a very good side to come to the emirates and get anything um and it's a moy's side at the end of the day and moy's 
you know, he, he won them a European competition last year. Uh, he's had them fighting sort of upper mid-table this season, which is, you know, a remarkable effort having lost your best player. This is a this is a good West Ham side, and we just made them look absolutely rubbish. And like you, I was I was nervous coming into this one today. I look at those two games that we've already lost to them this season, both in the Carabao Cup and the Premier League, and it's like they've got a lot of players which which sort of kryptonite this Arsenal side and with, with their physicality. And I love today that instead of thinking, okay, let's use our big fellas to go toe to toe with them, Arteta goes, hang on, no, I'm going to play Trossard. I'm going to play Trossard in the striker role. And at the end of the day, there's nothing that two big centre-backs like Zuma and Aguirre dislike more than having a, a little guy that they just can't get anywhere near because he's running all over the place. And the the sort of combinations between Trossard and Havertz was brilliant. Uh, I thought Trossard basically did all the work uh, on the ball that, that Havertz really struggles with. He dropped into those spaces and then gave Havertz the opportunity to box crash. Mate, tactically, I think it was like, I remember a few seasons ago, Arteta said, I think soon this project is going to go bang. And it did a couple of seasons ago. And I think this season, was this was the day when this variation of the Arsenal project went bang. Because it was just, yeah, stupidly good football from, you know... We scored the goal from the corner, but I thought we were playing really well before that. And as soon as we got that penalty, the, 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 um, which I, I thought was definitely going to be offside, really well-timed run by Saka, yeah, it just changed the whole flow of the game and West Ham couldn't get near us. I agree. And, and spoiler alert, uh, we'll get into this a bit later as we get into uh, each kind of structural bit of the show. Um, but... I do think that Bukayo Saka penalty was actually probably our explosive moment because it really just did just completely change the game. I mean, that West Ham just looked absolutely deflated after that went into the back of the net. Um, Mac, just before we do get into good stuff, I mean, this was absolutely uh, needed and vital. And I, what I mean by that is the team hasn't been in good form, uh, bad form by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just the guys that we're chasing and competing with for this Premier League title look so well oiled and look so dangerous. And we're in that weird, very stressful spot again where every single Liverpool game that comes on and every single Man City game that comes on. We're kind of looking at, but without wanting to watch it, I don't personally watch them because they stress me out too much. Um, but when you make a statement like this and get a goal difference that's in and around the same as theirs, I feel like it just has to be so, so good for the team's morale. Because let's face it, Liverpool and Man City, they've they've done it recently. They've won the you know Champions League and Premier League between them. We've failed to do either of which one historically ever and the other in over 20 years. So it's just, I feel like this was just such a needed result. It needed, we needed a thrashing. I don't know if it necessarily had to be today, but man, it really does help that it was against a, a, a side that has beat us twice this season. Yeah. Um, that's like an unbelievable segue for one of my points for for today. One of my little my sticky notes that I've got. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I 
Liverpool and City are the people we're chasing. They're the teams that are title challengers along with us this year, and they're the two most successful teams in reasonably the last probably, you know, decade of the Premier League, right? They're the two teams that have really set the pace and set the tone. And teams like that have hallmarks effectively, right? They are the type of teams that, you know, most weeks will come in and get some tests, but will look their usual inevitable selves and come away with a win. But there are other characteristics, right? The ability to step up, dominate a team, but really have that blowout win, the ruthlessness that's involved in that, right? Like, we played an unbelievable first half, a, to quote you in the chat, beautifully boring second half, but we scored six. This is the type of match that we would have won 2-0 or 3-0 last season and would have been very happy with it because of the performance. But it's rare that we really start kind of tacking on the misery. That's one, I think, kind of hallmark of the teams that we're chasing that it's nice to see appear for us. The other, again, we've talked about bogey teams. How many times in like late January, early February, do we go away to a team that's in awful form and hand them their like charity win of the season? For, like, I can think of a million occasions that that's happened. So for us to break that duck, I think, is also big. Um, but yeah, I also... The last thing, I guess, is just adaptation. Like, in the three matches we've played against West Ham this season, Cup included, we've lost two of them. Or so, We might even be, like, one for four at this point. I forget how much... We've played them way too much. Like, way too much. I'm sick of them. But... Um, but we lo we've lost to them twice now. And in both of those occasions, and in general, I think Arteta struggles to kind of come up against David Moyes tactically every once in a while. Um, but he's done clearly a lot of learning, a lot of studying. He brought out a system that he thought was going to be productive for the match. And, you know, of all of my love for Arteta, and I have a lot of it, one of my biggest criticisms of him is just his inability to be flexible and to adapt to things sometimes and that adaptability again just the little like micro points that can change the tide of a match are what managers like pep clop all the greats specialize in and there was like i i almost i hesitate to call it a perfect game because that's maybe a bit overblown but like i don't think there was an element of this performance that was wrong from Man, you know, tactical setup to game management. Okay, maybe there's an argument for substitutions. I don't really want to talk about the kids. That's not the point of today, right? The point of today is to celebrate what we've just done. And it's a big old win, but more than that, it was flawless. And that I think is more than anything has kind of reinfused me with some hope um, just for this title race and for how we look in comparison to, you know, the teams that we are trying to emulate if not beat yeah no I, I fully agree and and i think if that table what i was looking at um is correct uh, i was just searching that up real quick i think we haven't beaten them since december of 2022 is what it looks like so i mean this is clearly a side that and i think moreover a manager that that mikel arteta really really struggles with and our, our commentators here in the U.S. made a really good point, I thought. And it's that Arteta always gets these parallels drawn between him and Pep Guardiola, obviously considering he you know, worked with him at, at a very high-profile team. So it makes sense, and you could definitely see some 
uh, similarities. But I think you could probably see some between him and Moyes too. Because the way that he sets up his sides defensively with some big, big motherfuckers back there, I think you can really see the comparison. It's, it's sort of like a, I never thought I'd say this, a Pep Moyes sort of a system or a, you know, David Guardiola. I mean, it's it's very, very interesting. Um, and I think I've always personally been of the belief that Moyes is actually a very good manager. And I think he's at a, in a good spot um, in terms of West Ham, big club, but not, you know, one of those elite ones. We saw how they went for head bat at Man United. Uh, doesn't quite work out when he's with those, those A-list sides. But yeah, the way that we just blew their structure totally out of the water, I thought was a statement and a half that we really needed. Um, so that's kind of good stuff, I would say, there. But Rob, give me some more specific uh, good stuff that you you, co- you collected from this this game because there's there's a hundred things we can list, honestly. It was just one of those games. My favorite game of the season by far. Yeah, especially that, that first half. I mean, even before the goals were went in, I think we were just purring. Uh, I, was, I was absolutely delighted with how we were playing and just, it's not been often this season when we've played that well and the scoreline has reflected how well we've played. Uh, so it was nice today that we were finally able to have one of those performances when the scoreline did reflect how well we played. And I just want <clears throat> to expand on one of the points that Mac made uh, about Arteta sort of learning and um sort of modifying things based off things that he's perhaps learned this season um and he did exactly that today and to be specific about it what did he do i've already touched on trossard playing up front instead of eddie uh it's a drum that we've sort of been banging for a long time and it's good that perhaps that that noise is starting to get into his head a little bit and he's beginning to realize that eddie is a much better option sorry trossard is a much better option for us in terms of keeping the the floor of this team pretty high rather than like raising the ceiling um he connects things up so well he, i i absolutely love him as a striker i can't actually remember a game that he's played up front that i haven't absolutely loved it um and then we've got the thing at the back as well with uh ben white inverting which i just absolutely loved uh i noticed it pretty much five minutes in i was like hang on a second ben white's popping up in midfield a lot he doesn't do that very much and it was clearly part of the game plan. Kivior um, has struggled doing that at times this season, especially when he's asked to play exactly like Zinchenko. Uh, Fulham springs to mind as a game where he really struggled with that. We've now got a fully fit Ben White, who is clearly really enjoying his football. And I think if you're looking at the technical quality of the two, you're looking at a guy in Ben White who's played midfield in his career before for Brighton and Leeds. Um He's going to be the guy more capable of doing it. And I was just really happy to see him doing it finally. Um, So lessons learned were play Trossard over Eddie because he keeps you ticking better than Eddie does. Uh, And then let White invert instead of of Kivior, who struggled with that. And just all praise to Arteta because... A lot, a lot of people questioned him at the start of the season when he brings in a guy like Kai Havert um, to replace Granite Shaka. And today we see we see why he's he's done something like that. It's because you don't need a guy like Granite Shaka in your in your team, especially when when you're so dominant. It's useful to have a more advanced player like Havertz. And by the way, Havertz's defensive contributions today from the goal kicks. Fuck me, he was winning everything. It was absolutely fantastic. 
Um, I was so happy. He has got to be an absolute fucking nightmare to play against. Yeah. I was so happy to see a a game where it was like Arsenal play really well and Havertz didn't stick out like a sore thumb for once. He looked like he fit the system. It was a game where it's like, yeah, this is why we've got him. So we can have that little guy up front, supposed to be Jesus, but Jesus hasn't hit the levels he can this season. So it hasn't sort of worked out uh, so that we've seen the full benefit of like big guy, little guy complex. Um, And then today with Trossard who by the way was just like outstanding I, as, as I said at the start of this little monologue I just love him as a striker it's one of those weird things with Trossard too that I think you could kind of funnily draw, draw a bit of like a parallel with, with West Ham as a club because West Ham when we last played them they just looked like the ultimate smash and grab sort of a team just designed to do do what they did to us earlier this season, essentially. And then Trossard looked pretty shit there for a period. Um, and all of us on this show, I know us three in particular, really raised a lot of questions over Trossard. And we're like, I don't know, maybe maybe we've kind of passed him. You know, he's been helpful, you know, especially at the end of last season. He was a great signing to, to come in in January. And like you said, Rob, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, you know floor um but he has just looked absolutely fantastic lately and i do also really love him in that striker position i I think he just fits in there like a glove um and and i think he alone can be good stuff really but um no i mean uh i I don't want to just nail it down to that I'll, i'll save mine i'll pass it to mac real quick and then I'll, then I'll give my good stuff. We'll see if it's uh, any different from anything either of you guys have. Well, I've got a lot of good stuff um, because there was a lot of good stuff. And I think I'm just going to start with the simple um, theme of set pieces. Again, this is a point I made in the writer's chat um, and a point that goes back again to the hallmarks of what it is to be a champion, win- a championship winning side, right? Um. If you look at the set-piece charts every year, City and Liverpool dominate, right? Van Dyke is always a threat. Um, even Matip was getting in with goals during their best seasons. City seem to just have a set-piece goal out of whenever they need one as a get-out-of-jail-free card, whether it's like Nathan Ake or Ruben Diaz or any of those, right? Any of their stupid idiot big center backs who will just chip in a goal when they absolutely need one. Um like Rasmus Hoyland is just done for United. God, I hope he's offsides. Um, but yeah, I, I just think to have to open the goal off a set piece against a team like West Ham that's is historically dominant, but like to to see the way that we took corners, the variety, the different short plays that we tried, the different ways of finding angles for our attackers to get on the end of things, I think was unbelievably intelligent throughout the match and when good set pieces kind of become sustainable, you know, call us set piece FC if you'd like. Yes, our first three goals were all scored off them, but you can't say that we are not doing it at a regular and consistent rate. Um, and Daniel, you were talking in the chat about like, we, I've never seen the way that we took corners today where we would start like five men at the back post and instead of attacking kind of vertically from the edge of the box, or doing anything, we had a system that was really clearly designed to disrupt West Ham's big bodies, to 
make it so that their zonal scheme is less effective because it's really hard to defend a ball in front of you and someone coming from your blind side. That is kind of the I mean, yeah, give Nicholas yeah. Jover his flowers. Exactly. We're very quick to jump on his back when we're doing shit set pieces, but fuck me, that guy deserves a raise for this season. <laughs> and, and like, when's the last time we've actually done shit on set pieces? We, we conceded a run of them, I think, like, late last year, early this year. But that aside, I mean, we are, I think, the best set piece team in the league. And I think, you know, Declan Rice has two assists to show for it today, not to mention the worldie that we're going to get onto later. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to really highlight how important they were for us in terms of just like scoring that first goal, establishing the momentum. They gave us the platform today to go on and do a lot of what we did. So for all of you saying that set pieces are unsustainable, that they're a bad thing, you cannot watch today's match and tell me that they are not an unbelievably important part of our game and one that we should not, to an extent, shy away from being good at. I fully agree. And, the, yeah, the movement on the set pieces today was so strange that you guys will have noticed this in the chat. I thought Odegaard was taking the corners because I was so distracted by the crazy movement. Um, but, yeah, it was so great to see. Rice can ping him in too, man. He is a he is a very very good set piece taker. Unfortunately, there is a dilemma that I think he's pretty damn good in the air too. So it's like, come on, man, you're you're too good. You're giving us a, a really nice headache to have. But um, yeah, I, I do. It always is funny to me to see a big guy take the set pieces. Um, Jaka did it a few times, I remember, and I, I felt the same way. But um, yeah, just overall, I mean set pieces are absolutely necessary. And I think for for years, we have been in a, a strange spot where we've just not been good enough at them on the attacking or defensive fronts. And now that has just totally changed. Well, maybe we're giving some more away defensively than, than we did when, when Jover first came in. Which on the attack now, we, we look absolutely lethal. You could see visibly that West Ham defenders would, were getting worried when we were getting set pieces. They're like, oh, man you know and i think a, a large component of that it's yes jover and he does definitely deserve his flowers but it's the personnel gabrielle and saliva this season have six goals that is incredible we've still got a lot of games remaining and our center back duo have managed to score six goals this season that is phenomenal that's world class i, I would like to see how the other top teams compare to that we might have the the two scoringest central defenders in, in Europe at the moment. I mean, I mean, genuinely. It's I'm going to check. Crazy. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I, well, that would be see, it's just the best centre-back pairing in the world, man. It's like not even <laughs> close. I mean, they're, they're absolutely wonderful. They complement each other brilliantly. And uh, yeah, just top class. Uh, my good stuff. I, I said this a, a couple weeks ago to you guys, and this might be a, a bit of a weird statement for, for some listeners to hear. But I think that Bukayo Saka is underrated and not by Arsenal fans. I think he's far and away our best player. I think he has surpassed Alexis Sanchez. I think he is an Arsenal legend in the making. And he is one of, if not the absolute best player in the Premier League at the moment. I think he's got a very good I chance. Think, I think it's because he just does the basic stuff like absurdly right. well. He's not mm. flashy. But he does the basic stuff unbelievably well. And, and people Absolutely. look at that and it's like, oh, he's not world class because 
you know, he only scores like two or three goals from 25 yards a season. He doesn't score them every other week. He is just so good at everything Arteta wants him to do. And th- that that's what yep. makes the, the boy special. And he is, knock on wood, every, everybody seriously, knock on touch wood, whatever you want to do it. Mac, I know you're researching right now, but do knock on wood, my friend, seriously. Um, he is always available. You know, you could say... Zinchenko, Alfie said Zinchenko's missed. And I was like, yeah, how many fucking times have we said that since he's come in? You know, Jesus, same thing. A guy like Tomiyasu, they're always injured. They're great. They bring a lot to the table, but it doesn't matter because they're not available half the time. Saka is always available and he's fantastic. He goes through some, I wouldn't even say rough patches, some, some slower, less fruitful patches. And then he picks it right back up again. And I guess all in all, my good stuff, is that I assume Bukayo Saka is going to take that mantle from Gabriel Martinelli of being our guy that scored our 15 goals in a season. Who knows? Maybe he can even exceed it. I'm not sure. But while there's been some questions over Martinelli's output, Saka this season has really just turned it on and looks like an absolute goal-scoring machine. The confidence that he took that second strike with was absolutely beautiful. I love goals like that when they run in towards the goalkeeper and they go for the post that you don't expect them to go for. Obviously, everybody loves a, a, a looping one into the top corner. But when they find that sort of low dagger ball in, I, I love those. And, and then obviously a great penalty and overall wonderful performance too. We've got a star boy now that we've signed on to a long-term big superstar contract. And he is showing everybody that he deserved it. And it's not the Mesut Ozil effect. It's not the Aubameyang effect. He's been given that big fat sack of cash and he's still providing the same output. So I guess my good stuff is like a, a wider picture thing. It's just, it's Bukayo Saka and how lucky we are to have this kid. He is an absolute phenom. Mac, I see you and Rob both acting weird. I think you're celebrating something. So feel free to tell me what the hell's going on. And um, yeah, just wax lyrical up Saka while you're at it too. All right. Uh, my pleasure. I'm well for reference. I'm watching. Oh Lord, sorry. I'm watching Villa United in the background of this. I have no shame in that regard. Uh, and John McGinn's just stung one, like put one into the top corner, and Onana's pulled out a really nice save. Um, That's then, weird. I didn't know he had hands. Yeah, and then I'll, I write, and then Ollie Watkins has had a one-on-one chance and missed it as well. Uh, anyway. A lot not of fun soccer. Not good. No, not good for mine either. Well, mine's having a great week because I started Saka. Sorry, Saka, Saliba, and Gabrielle, uh, which is busted. But um, in terms of research that I've done, Gabrielle has the most goals by you with by, the busted yeah. back. I swear. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> Gabrielle has four goals in the Prem this season, um, which is the most of any center back. There are a few on three and a bunch on two, including Saliba. So yes, we are the most successful Premier League duo of center backs in scoring right now. Um, but in terms of Saka, I mean, it was in some ways, you know, a, a bit of a vintage performance for him. He looked more explosive than he has. His running was really good. His cutting inside was really good. His combination play was amazing. But he kind of... He was oddly flexible today. He popped up in central areas a lot. He was, you know, leaving White and Odegaard to kind of play outside and coming inside and, like, making stuff happen in the half spaces. Um, he, Frankly, he's doing what I've kind of wanted to see more of from him. Like, if you look at a player like Mohamed Salah, 
He's Liverpool's best scoring winger, and we've talked about this in the past, right? But they never put him in positions like really out toward the touchline. He's usually in and around kind of the corner of the 18-yard box trying to get in towards the net, trying to make things happen. And in a match like today where the dominance is so high and our control is so high and we have the ability to give our superstars more license to go be superstars, right? To go find the areas that they want to find, to go pick up the spots where they want to. Um, and, you know, you're right. He's not a flashy player. We've been talking uh, weirdly a lot in this podcast about, like, floor and ceiling. He's one of those players that has an unbelievably high floor, even when he's not performing at kind of to the nth degree, right? But, you know, we've also seen him outfox a lot of the things that have troubled him this season. He has struggled in double and triple teams this season, and they've been happening a lot. He did a really good job of escaping that, of you know, finding spaces and angles and inside lanes that really allowed him to avoid that fate. Um, Martinelli did as well, by the way. But he also was, he was, as was our entire attack, unpredictable. Just a lot of overlapping, a lot of rotation. The American commentary said at one point, like, you know with this Arsenal team that all the positions are going to be filled, but they could be filled by four different players. Like... That, you know, I think really the best example of that is back to what Rob was saying earlier with Havertz and Trussard and their combinations, but also with Martinelli, who popped up playing at the eight at times, popped up playing in center forward. Havertz was out on the left wing. Trussard was out there too. Like, that's actually one of my pet peeves when Martinelli picks it up in the middle because he always loses it. Yeah. Well, he (laughs) had that one fail. (laughs) He had the one awful pass that led to us getting countered. But um, when we were looking sloppy before the first goal, but that's about the only wrong thing he did today. No, in general, um, I think I want to, you know, he really is the the talisman of this team, Saka, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think two goals does not necessarily shed a full light on his contribution for the day. Um, peerless, just peerless. I mean, yeah. it just has to be sad as well. He's 22 years old. And he's got a, a, now over 100 goal contributions for the club. I mean, that is... That was the thing I forgot to mention. It's what, 50, uh, it's 50, 51 goals and 49 assists now. I think like... That, the, the, I love this that is stat be, because it shows yeah. how well-rounded he is too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I think it's going to be one of those things we look, we look back on in like 10, 15 years and we're like, we were so lucky to have a guy that just came through... He's Arsenal through and through. He was never with another academy. He was all Arsenal all the way through. And he's our best player. And it's it's we we do take it for granted sometimes, I think. It's it's we a very lovely thing. Uh, you know, and it's so nice to have our best player not be A, a prick, or B, a total prima donna with zero discipline. You know, like we have a model professional, good boy, that is our best player. He's a, He's a golden retriever. Of a person, you know, and and I absolutely I adore the kid. I mean, I, I want every Arsenal shirt every season, and I just want to get Saka uh, on the back of it. But I'll tell you, Rob, another guy that wouldn't be bad to get on the back of it. Um, man, you know what, guys? Do you want to maybe? I, I don't know if you have anything else to bring up. Do you want to maybe substitute Cannon Concerns for just Declan Rice Hour? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't I be averse. You can't I do kind really, of There's I'm no not, concern I'm, today. I'm, 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 you know what, man? Because I get a lot my of. One concern was going to be if he didn't give the kids any minutes when we were six 0 up. And what yeah. did he do? He brought on Ranieri. So, 
<laughs> My one concern is that Cedric is still alive. <laughs> Brother, how is Cedric fucking Suarez still seeing the field? Oh my Mate, he played Lord. a great ball to Martinelli. He inverted. I know. I know. The top. Oh. Start I know. next week. <laughs> it is. It is. I will say with Cedric, it is kind of funny when he comes on for like uh, twelve minutes and he does something good, and you're like, "It's weird that he can do something good." <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I get a, a, you know, I get called a pessimist. I get called negative. So here you go. Here's up yours, folks. I'm just going to freaking gloss it. We're not going to do any canon concerns this week. We're just going to do Declan Rice appraisal hour. Rob, I'll come to you because, Mac, you were just chatting. Um, so, Rob, I mean, he got two assists and he got a goal. And an absolute screamer of that, not some crabby little tap-in or anything. Um, I, I said in the chat, and this was stating the obvious, that he needed a huge performance. He looked absolutely frazzled. Both times we came up against West Ham this season. And I, I, you know, I was talking to Katie about this, who doesn't give a shit. Um, I don't, she was like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> um, but I think it really probably hurt his feelings that he was getting booed by his, you know, his boyhood club. And I think it would get under anyone's skin, really. And he seems like another one that's a really good guy, you know, very emotional, went over to the, went around the stadium clapping the fans you know, uh, uh, afterwards. But t- today, it was monumentous. He just came up and was like, you know, I've, I've got to prove prove these prove these West Ham fans wrong and, and show them that I made the right decision joining Arsenal. Which we know he did, but maybe they didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was an imperious performance. Obviously, sealed with the cherry on the cake of the of the goal, which was just absolutely spectacular. We said in the PPC that we wish we could just talk about that goal for an hour instead of the rest of the stuff. I mean, what a finish! Um, hilarious, also that it, it comes from a little mistake from us, where Trossard and Martin Odegaard failed to communicate with each other, and horrible <laughs> optics on the assist. Yeah, <laughs> and Declan Rice just goes. Uh, Fuck it, I'll take over and put it in the top corner. Um, yeah, I think before he signed for the club, and I do want to say that as well before I start waxing lyrical, I think Declan Rice has had a tough start to 2024. I think he was good against Liverpool last week, but took a little while for him to warm up into the game. Really good off the ball, but maybe his on-the-ball stuff was a bit slacking. Um, but today he just had it all the passing was incredible uh he was everywhere all over the pitch i mean it must have been somewhat enjoyable for west ham fans to see him back but like also so painful just seeing him mop up and consume their entire midfield you know they spent a a lot of money to replace him over the summer and it does just show that the guy is worth about three or four players just on his own and you know, if if we're looking at the wider impact of the of the transfer and the value for money, I think in the Premier League uh, and across Europe, there's been a lot of these transfers that have happened in the region of like 80 to, I want to say like 120 million pounds. And a lot of them have just flattered to deceive. A lot of the players have, you know, been sort of, you know, they've been daunted by, by the summer money. And we, we've seen two happen over the summer that have just been roaring successes. You know, Bellingham has scored a ridiculous number of goals for Real Madrid, you know, exceeded all expectations. 
And Declan Rice, I think, has been just as good at Arsenal. I think a performance like today puts him, you know, I think he, as I said, struggled for a few weeks, but I think it puts him back in the driving seat for Premier League Player of the Year. I mean, it takes a lot to live up to a nine-figure um, transfer sum. But uh, Declan Rice is doing just that. Uh, and the goal was, yeah, I'm, I think I'll be watching it over and over again for a fair while. Uh, the class of the man as well to just, I, I don't think I'd be able to contain myself putting a, a ball into the top corner like that. <laughs> but uh, straight away, he was just like, I'm not going to do anything to roll these lot up. And um, yeah, shout out Jamie Carragher. I bet he enjoyed that celebration as well. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. I'm, to be fair, I, I think, you know, I saw some of those West Ham uh, fans in the crowd. I think they're the type that would maybe have like a crowbar in the back of their pants. So I think that it's probably more for self-preservation than uh, Rice didn't First of all, what fans in the crowd? They all left at halftime. Red. One of the funniest <laughs> things. When Rice one... took off, the juxtaposition was hilarious. There was just this one fan clapping and then one oh, behind man. giving it the big one. <laughs> I love it. There was a, uh, uh, what I, I mentioned this in the chat. There was a few West Ham uh, supporters clapping when he came off, which I, which I had a, yeah. a lot of time and respect for because that's really hard to swallow your pride and be like, right, we're being absolutely humiliated. He led us to European glory and was a fantastic servant for us. Kudos to him. Absolutely got the better of us today. But obviously yeah. the guy in the back doing the wanker thing's hilarious too. So it was also it was it was such a nice celebration. like nice celebration, very classy, didn't celebrate. I will note he did put a little badge tap in there. It was, you know, no celebrating, calm, taps the badge. He's home. He's home. That's all we're saying. Uh yeah, man. Amazing day from him. I think it's Interesting to see him really freed of defensive responsibility. Not to say that he didn't have good tackles and good interceptions because he's a freak always. But like, I think a lot of our counterpressing and kind of suffocation of West Ham came through more team play and structure than it did like him mopping up over and over and over again. And just seeing him kind of spread his wings offensively. The passes he was playing, his interchanges with Ben White were lovely today. When White would step inside, he'd often kind of go outside and he, you know, could pick those switches and play through the lines. Um, it was Jorginho-esque from Rice today um, in the best way. But I also think his set pieces, we've um, been really good at set pieces this season again, but a lot of them go to the near post when it's Trussard or Martinelli taking a corner. His ability to put kind of height and depth and whip on a ball so that it just drops onto someone's head at the last minute is in have elements. you noticed can, yeah, can, i'm please. sorry can i just interject no, no, no. and say I it's like eat. it's right outside of the reach of the goalkeeper too he puts it in this yeah. very yeah. awkward he puts spot it in no man's hand that that free kick was exceptional it's the kind of free kick you expect from kevin de bruyne not no, Declan but, rice but the, the saliba one too like the corner to put it directly on a defender's head in the middle of all of their big bodies, right? In a place where it cannot be gotten to. Like, and Ariel is, you know, sort of dealing with Ben White, but he would have had to, like, be standing there in the first place, and that would have left too much of the goal. It is like, it's just... Yeah, it wouldn't be an on... Arsenal uh, set-piece goal yeah. if there wasn't a bit of Ben White shithousery involved. Exactly. <laughs> but, but for him to be able to put shit like that on a dime and also do everything else he does is 
it's unbelievable. Like there, I've never, I've not seen a player like him in a while. No, I mean, and I do have to second a bit um, what Rob said about Rice having a, a kind of a, a slower start to 2024. Just lately, maybe hasn't looked as like physically dominant, you know, where, whereas like when he first came in, he would just bulldoze people. I, maybe we just haven't quite been seeing as much as that of, of that. Maybe the stats absolutely don't back that up at all. I'm not sure. Just from the eye test, though, it seems like he's not as much. But but today, it really seemed like he just went out there, rolled his sleeves up, and had a point to prove. And he, he proved that point, and he did so fantastically. There was a... I, I can't remember exactly what the writer's name is, but I just... I want to call him out for a second. Just absolutely roast him for goal.com. Um, I think it was something Doyle, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, he said that we overpaid for Declan Rice. What the hell are you on about, man? First of all, we saved the league from Manchester City having Declan Rice. Could you imagine? They would be 975 points clear with a game in hand right now if they had him. Um, If Pep had his way, he'd have Bellingham and Rice in midfield at the moment. Imagine that shit. (laughs) Life would be miserable. We would actually have the England midfield of Rice, Bellingham, and Foden that the world wants to see. Like, ugh. Vile. Oh, Daniel's leaving us. So, um, <laughs> nice bit of dead air. Anyone want me to sing a little yeah, bit? My, my, so, my <laughs> laptop was not plugged in. The my laptop wasn't plugged in the entire time, and it just gave me the fifteen percent. And I was like, oh, joy. Um, I was plugged into an outlet that doesn't work. That's apartment living for you. On basically all my outlets throughout the entire apartment, only one of them works, and then the other one doesn't work. So joys, the joys of paying $1,500 a month for a one bedroom apartment. Shout out to economy and stuff. I might just be homeless. How would I do the podcast? So I'd have to do, use like McDonald's Wi-Fi or something. Um, I mean, anyway. you've done it from your car before, boss. Like we can, we can <laughs> yeah. make that work again. <laughs> might not have a choice uh, here, here soon. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that's enough on Declan Rice. I mean, what more can we say? He's just absolutely fantastic player um and, and we're, we're, we're just so lucky to have him i mean explosive moment for me is going to be that bukayo saka penalty like i said because mac i think it really just again it killed the game but there's probably a number of moments that you could give it to um i want to say about uh the uh ruling being a yellow card for areola instead of a red that's obviously down to the double jeopardy thing or, or whatever they call it. I personally strongly agree with that rule. Um, if, if you remember a few seasons back when the extremely harsh, ridiculous call of a penalty was called against David Luiz and then he was sent off for it, I thought that was quite literally probably one of the most harsh calls in Premier League history. To get sent off for that and concede a penalty is is not fair. It, it's... It, the, the double jeopardy rule is a good one that, that I'm fully on board with. So I was happy to see Ariola given a yellow card. So we can beat West Ham's 11 men and not have them use any excuses. Um, but yeah, Mac, did you have a different explosive moment uh, to mine? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe just in, in theme with my conversation on this podcast, but I almost want Saliba's goal to be the explosive moment, not because it was particularly explosive in any way. You know, it's... It's the go-ahead goal from, um, it's, you know, it's the go-ahead goal from a set piece. It's really good delivery. 
but I get ah sorry I don't mean Saliba's goal I mean Gabrielle's goal my bad misspoke entirely the one that took us to three that that is utterly my mistake um meant Gabrielle's goal great set piece good stuff but we had this situation last year against West Ham where we were up to nothing and ended up drawing the game if I'm not mistaken um and you know it's it's the two nil is a dangerous lead it's all of this like in terms of our dominance of the game I think it was the Gabrielle goal rather than Saka's penalty that really iced the thing because prior history and everything and you know home whether it's home field advantage or anything else you want to give West Ham in that match right it was just kind of the ultimate statement of contempt to have a Saka penalty and less than five or six minutes later to just put you know the nail in the coffin at that point like I think I, I was more excited about the Saliba goal than I was about the penalty and agreed about the double jeopardy as well, by the way. Um, it wasn't a harsh foul from Areola. It's certainly a penalty, but nothing more than that. And I think there's a lot of occasions where goalkeeper against forward one-on-one, last defender scrambling, you see that given a red. But I just think in terms of kind of maybe, maybe just some of like the ethics of the game, it's nice to really have a buffer there between kind of ultimate punishment and Frankly, I think we would have been, we were better served in my mind playing against West Ham's 11 than West Ham's 10. I, I, I think, think I agree. Yeah. Some of the like complacency habits that this team can hold on occasion, uh, I would not have wanted to come to the fore. And against 11 men, they, they don't. So those are my overall thoughts. But I think you're probably right about Saka. I am again tempted to say Declan Rice just because it was a fucking worldie. But uh, no, I, I think. So, uh, Gabrielle's goal would be my personal choice just because it really it put us in kind of the right spot to go on and do what we did in some ways like it that it's the third that really cements dominance at a certain point so yeah yeah that that's very true Rob did you have any uh disagreement we could have three different explosive moments or or you could be the game winner let's say I'm gonna be the game winner and give it to Daniel Fenton on this occasion I just think Reasonable. uh above all for the uh I think symbolic significance of this goal. Uh, you think about history repeating itself. You think about Saka missing another penalty at the London Stadium. The tide of the game immediately changing uh, in consequence of that. Uh, I mean, it's another brave penalty from Saka. He hasn't been taking them away from home this year and he made sure to take it for himself because it was going to be his goal. I think that's another thing with like set-piece like claiming that a penalty is a, is a set piece goal like obviously this comes from very good play uh it's a lovely ball from trossard dropping into a lovely deep area uh played a, another gorgeous ball to um martinelli minutes earlier uh his passing was excellent today off both feet that's an underrated aspect of his game um and yeah just uh such composure sending uh, areola the wrong way uh very cold celebration. I like the one that he's doing at the moment with the little finger in the air. Um, I know, can I say though, kind of Pepe-ish? Yeah, yeah. kind of Pepe-ish. Um, I his, like his the... lawyer's going to be calling him. Yeah, uh, well, I wonder if they'll do a podcast with the Arsenal social media stuff. Yeah, I like that Saka just doesn't have one celebration. He just like he does something different every, <laughs> like he just ch- changes it up every few weeks. Like last se- se- season, he had the like corner one that he was doing for a few weeks. Then he was doing the Rashford one for a while. Uh, yeah, he was he was doing all sorts. Do you know the the New Balance one 
of the New Balance Addies in with Raheem Sterling, where he does oh, the yeah. like the this. Uh -oh, I don't know how to one. describe it audio. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's his one. one with. Uh, but that's his one with Smith Rowe. Yeah, oh, maybe that's it. That's so my that's, favorite celebration. So that's his that one, one with Smith Rowe. He does that one, and then he does um, the one with Martinelli as well. Yeah. And like does that after every goal. So yeah. So um, yeah, it's all uh, coming up Millhouse really, uh, and we we like that. We like the Saki getting on the score sheet. Uh, yeah, I did want to add that I loved that finish as well, Dan. Uh, the the second goal, uh, and then. Just by the way, oh, by the way, Wasaka should have had a hat trick for yeah, sure. Yeah, the headers, the headers. Um, but uh, just moving on to uh, other stuff that happened, uh, I think Erdegaard was absolutely brilliant uh, in this game. He's really coming into his own, playing a bit deeper. I think he's the best form he's been in for a very long time, and he loves playing at the London Stadium. But what I want to talk about with him is when a sixteen-year-old boy comes on the pitch you wouldn't know he's 16 the way he's playing and Erdegaard as the captain he goes over to him straight away high five do your thing mate and he keeps giving him the ball over and over again we couldn't have a better captain than this bloke that's a, that's him. a great shout yeah the, well yes um, glad yeah. you pointed that out yeah I mean having been through the dickhead that is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh being our captain and then before that, Granite Shaka, who turned out to be a, a proper cult hero, but told our fans to fuck off. To have a guy who is just so level-headed, embodies the club so well, has a great connection with the fans. We are, again, just feeling very lucky uh, as an Arsenal fan today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... I get a little frustrated with all the... Uh, I, I know the armband is really just symbolic, but I get a bit frustrated with all the... Declan Rice captain shouts and whatnot, and and he is he is the captain, but it's Martin Odegaard is a fantastic captain. Why 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 are we talking? Uh, not us, we we don't. But why are why do people even bring it up? I mean, we've got a great captain that I think really sort of just captures the essence of Arsenal perfectly. Um, and and yeah, he I'm so happy he's wearing that armband. It was such a, such a good decision from the club. Um, you know what? Too, I'm gonna write a Fintan's frolic about this guy. Um. Who who I who I just loved the how would I say this lack of a performance from just the the fact that we just didn't notice him at all is David Raya again. You just literally don't notice the guy. And then out of nowhere, there comes a time at, at, at the later stages of the game, I can't remember who took the shot, where he has to make a save. And those are really hard for goalkeepers, man, when they're just not troubled at all. And then all of a sudden, shot comes in. Oh, go, go, go. You know, or dangerous cross comes in. Go, go, go. And he, he always, always has his focus on. And I think that along with the distribution and the, there's that, there's that uh, bingo word again, boringness are what really are, those are really making me like, like David Raya. And I feel like it just makes a lot of sense at this point, moving on from Aaron Ramsdale to him, because, you know, you get the sense that maybe a Ramsdale, purely just speculative I would most likely be the same but Ramsey would probably be milking the crowd a bit pissing them off you know who knows maybe then that atmosphere would get a bit better I think we still would have played him off the park regardless but Riot he 
business, whatnot. And and I think that along with guys like Odegaard in there, Bukayo Saka too, all these well-mannered killers that we have in this team at the moment, I think Arsenal are really on the cusp now. I don't know if we're going to do it this season or even next season. But I think in the next two, three years, we've got a Premier League or Champions League in us. And I think it's because of the personnel we've got. And along with the manager as well, because Rob, you and uh, you pointed it out uh, before the game. We had nothing on our bench today. And that was largely down to the fact that Arteta just said, I'm just going to play my team that I think can blow West Ham away. Well, I personally maybe would have gone with Jorginho and Rice and, and left either Trossard or, or Havertz on the bench. Well, good damn thing I'm not the manager. Well, Jorginho is, Jorginho is hurt. He didn't train at all this week. so Okay, so there is that, you know. There's but that. But, but I mean, even if you, I think Arteta probably would have went with the same, line, same lineup, you know, like we, we have just got such a good group at the moment and we could sit here and praise each individual player again and again and again and again. But I mean, it's just, I, I feel like Raya doesn't get enough flowers because we all love Ransdell too much and you, you see it with him and the defenders. First of all, there's a trust between him and the defenders. And second of all, there's that same fiery passion and desire to preserve a clean sheet, which which I absolutely love as a as a pretty terrible defender. But Mac, was there anything else you wanted us to uh, to touch on prior to drawing this bad boy to a close? I think we did pretty well to to get all of our points across today. I mean, I think it's it's nice that throughout the course of this podcast, we've touched on I th- almost every player. Um, to 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 give some love to those who we maybe haven't spoken about as much. Um, Ben White had an unbelievable game. Yes, was very good in verting, very good in possession, but defensively good, had some great clearances, um, and when he was staying outside, did well. Kivior has looked much better as a more traditional left-back than he has a, um, an inverted one and did a really good job on a couple of key ball recoveries. Did, Agreed. Know, he had a, rock- I thought he had a good performance, yeah. Uh, I think he was actually one of the reasons Mohamed Kudus, who, Daniel, you were wondering who who took that shot that Raya saved. I'm pretty sure that was Kudus when he kind of spun inside. Um, did a good job of isolating him and locking him down and making sure that he couldn't be the real danger man and threat that we've seen uh, Kudus be against us over the past few times that we've played them. Um, and I think the only other person I don't recall, we haven't talked much about Martinelli um, because he didn't chip in with a goal or an assist or anything like that. But in some ways, I think a lot of what he did today was defend and run and give a lot of the other players in our team the opportunity to thrive. And to an extent, I think that's not something we've necessarily seen from Martinelli all the time, not to say that he's not a team player, but like his best moments kind of tend to crop up in an individual sense. And I think just because he hasn't had like a particularly perfectly fantastic day like he did against Liverpool um, does not mean in any sense that he had a bad match or that he kind of didn't have some importance to the way that this team succeeded today. So that's pretty much me saying, you know, great job, kudos to the entire starting lineup. Kudos to the entire starting lineup. Um, Just a brilliant day of football, really, at the end of the day. Agreed. Yeah, and I I think Martinelli actually maybe – Kai Havertzy sort of today and the way that he got the best out of those around him. I think that there was 
there's now that same worry for Martinelli that there is for Saka. I mean, he'll he gets double teamed, and I think that really gave Saka the license to just absolutely exploit a West Ham defense that looked horrifying compared to what we've seen them uh, compared to what we've seen this season. I mean, it's crazy that they beat they you know they've beaten us three one and two nil, and then we've still beaten them on aggregate this season by by seven to five. That just shows how great the performance was. Rob, anything you wanted to touch on before we draw this bad boy to a close? Uh, I don't think so. I think that, yeah, just everyone was fantastic. I think the one other player that we haven't spoken about was Gabriel. Uh, yeah, and Gabriel was just himself, really. I think he's probably been our best player this calendar year. Uh, he looks happy could... child. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, yeah, sorry, sorry. I keep cutting across. No I'm problem. too excited. Um, I said Saka and Rice are good shouts for uh, PFA player of the season. If Gabriel actually ever got his flowers, I think he'd be in the I think step. he'd be right up there. There's a weird sort of uh, underrated... Uh, yeah, I think he just is a bit underrated by uh, opposing club fans. But yeah, we'll just let him carry on doing his thing quietly. I think just on the ball, like his recent improvement has been like ridiculous. Um and he was actually trusted to play like in the middle of that three today. Um, it was Saliba on the right, and Arteta previously hasn't trusted Saliba to do that. So sorry, uh, Gabriel, to do that. So uh, yeah, good to to see that there's some faith there for him to do that. And I thought he was very good. So yeah, that's that. I think. Agreed. Yeah, I I think one thing that's always forgotten about Gabriel is just that he is a young player himself too. He's not quite like a, a pipsqueak, a kid like Bukayo Saka or, or William Saliba. But he's still a young man, still yeah, learning he, a lot. He is as a centre-back, really. He's still very young. You know, these centre-backs tend to come into their prime in their late 20s, and this guy's still in his mid. Exactly, exactly. Still in his mid, but far from mid. Exceptional. Um, all right, let's draw this bad boy to a close then. Now I'll come to you first. Marketing opportunity of a lifetime. Was that to me? <laughs> Sorry, I said it too fast. I said I'll go to Mac first. My bad. Maybe <laughs> I'm just too quick, man. I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, Bukai Speedy Saka. Gonzalez over here. Exactly. Um, just gonna go quite standard marketing. All of the lovely folks over at We Love You Arsenal Productions. Um, our podcasts, our blog, everything involved. Uh, we Love You Arsenal dot uk. Of course, as always. Um, Wrong. This. Or sorry. Dot com. Official yes. domain now, we love you arsenal.com, uh, which does actually feel quite good to say, but yeah, man, uh, that was um, very good marketing. If that was on yeah. purpose, by the way, <laughs> no, it wasn't on purpose. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Daniel's winking at me through the camera now. Uh, shout out to all the, the lovely folks over, over there. We, we continue to turn out good content and good stuff for you guys, and uh, yeah, been a good time, indeed, Declan. Have you seen that the old domain has been taken over? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no. a new weloveyourarsenal.co.uk, and it's uh, a very dodgy-looking website. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Why would someone take that? So, you know, while we're on the air, you you plug your stuff, Rob, and I'll I'll go ahead and have a look, see what's going on. Yeah, you usual shit, everyone. Uh, no writing from me. I'm in the middle of my final term at uni. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, follow me on my socials. Follow all of Alfie's things. There's Instagram that you're, you're likely 
finding us from uh, we.love.uarsenal. Uh, but also our Twitter, which we're not very active on, but you know, go follow both Canon Podcast and We Love Your Arsenal blog on uh, on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Mac on Twitter. Follow Alfie on Twitter. Find Daniel anywhere, uh, which is a very hard thing to do. Uh, and yeah, do that and like and share. Yes, indeed. Uh, by the way, the the old website domain uh, appears to be selling ventilation systems for chemicals, fumes, and corrosive environments. So there you go. So anybody over at Men United, if you need some help with a corrosive environment, uh, we we invite you to check them out. I think. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, folks, check out my latest Fintan's Frolic. I touch on how Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko are literally the two most confusing footballers on planet Earth, um, and especially the two most confusing players at Arsenal. Basically, just delve into the fact that they're really good, really frustrating, and really injury-prone. So it's a it's a hoot and a holler. I get all weird at the end, too, which I'm sure you folks will enjoy. Um, share it with your cool uncles. But more than anything, I don't care if you read the article, really. Leave a freaking review, folks. We want to pay the light bill around here at We Love You Arsenal Productions. And if you leave a review, we get suggested to other listeners. I just learned this on the Arsenal Vision podcast, by the way. Um, so leave a review. Share it around, man. Seriously, we're a good podcast. Why do you guys not leave reviews? I see we got a... I, I, we got an additional review just recently. And wherever you are, I appreciate you. Thank you. Also, quick shout out, speaking of listeners, to the person that uh, Alfie was set to meet with in, uh, where, where's he at, Thailand or something? He's somewhere over there, I think. Right, that's where he is, right, Thailand? I don't know. He's, he's somewhere. <laughs> and yeah, Rob said, yeah. Um, Some, somewhere over there is rough. <laughs> somewhere over uh in, in that vicinity it, 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 he is in thailand right now yeah okay um yeah, that's just so far away from us mac i just don't ever even think about it over there <laughs> like they all the europeans holiday there you know it's too far um but yeah he actually uh was set to meet with a, a listener by the name of what did he say his name was i want to I, I give him like a proper shout out so here's some great podcasting some some uh some some research. Um, we we, we uh, talk to each other too much. It's so far up the chat. <laughs> we do, but I, I want to find say, it. I've been, I've been scrolling and I can't find it. <laughs> oh, oh uh, I found it. Scott. 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 Yes, Scott, man. shout out to you, man. I know you're listening to this, so we appreciate you, my friend. So, if people, if you're listening to this in your car on your way to work or something, just know you are not a weirdo and other people actually do <laughs> listen to this podcast. And some of those so other weirdos views and you're not so you you've really disappointed us and our lives frankly are enough of a disappointment so with that being <laughs> said rob i need a british guy to say the thing that we draw we need week. a song yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> um there is a a famous song by queen called uh uh it is called uh hammer to fall and i think uh the hammers <laughs> fell pretty hard today <laughs> i like it that's good that was like, i thought you were just gonna pull out rice rice baby or something that's <laughs> no no we're not that generic come on hell no, dude. Hell no we're creating in with the title of the show as well which we pre-planned by the way everyone yeah so don't say we're not we we, we never do that <laughs> <laughs> we never do that yeah. absolutely 
All right, folks, seriously, leave a review or the podcast. As Alfie's going, we can actually streamline strategy and stuff and actually be productive. Uh, it's really nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, Katie was like, how long is it going to take? And I was like, it should be pretty quick. Uh, Alfie's not around, so they won't have us waiting for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too true. <laughs> we love you, Alfie. Enjoy uh, wherever the heck you are, like, Wyoming or something. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk to you in the next episode. we got six days of rest, folks. That's going to be nice. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Of you is falling away. Lift your fires, the rust and wailing. Build your muscles as your body decays. Yeah.